0: Welcome to episode 19 of the Countryline Songwriter Series, where you'll hear from some of the most successful artists and songwriters working in Nashville today. Country music is all about storytelling, and this is where you'll discover the stories from the people themselves of how they managed to find their way into such a competitive industry and rise to the top, what motivates and inspires them, and what they've learned along the way. Brett Young was born and raised in Orange County, California and was a teenager when he first developed a love for music and learned to play the guitar. His main interest, though, was baseball and he was being scouted by the majors during his high school days. But his baseball career sadly came to an end in college when a serious elbow injury spoiled his pitching and arm and he began exploring music again. Influenced by Gavin DeGraw, Young began writing songs and making use of his rich, soulful voice. In 2007, he was appearing regularly at California Listening Rooms and he'd released his first record, a self-titled EP. In 2011, Young released a second independent effort, Make Believe, and On Fire followed in 2013. After Young's first decade in the business, he'd appeared at some of California's most prestigious venues, including The Troubadour, The Roxy and The Viper Room, and he'd opened for the likes of Colby Calais and Katy Perry. As Young began bringing forward the country influence side of his music, he left California for Nashville and celebrated the move with an EP titled Country in California. Young's new sound attracted the attention of the powerful Nashville-based label Big Machine Label Group, which signed him to a record deal. Young's debut for the label, a six-song EP titled Brett Young, was released in February of 2016. His single Sleep Without You fared well on both the country and pop charts, reaching 81 on the Billboard Hot 100. Another hit, in case you didn't know, followed before the release of his full-length Big Machine debut in February of 2017. The album hit number two on Billboard's top country album charts and eventually went platinum. Here he chats with myself, Stuart Balford, The Countryline Songwriters Series with Brett Young.
1: I mean, your debut album, it came out literally just over a year ago and it's been so well received across the world, you know, critically and commercially. Three absolutely huge smash hit singles. And now you're releasing my favourite, which is Mercy.
2: Yeah, that's, you know, what's funny. That's actually my favourite song on the record too. And um, it almost didn't make the record. We, uh... We thought we were going to go with 11 songs, and we had we had them all recorded and ready to go. There was this this thing with iTunes where uh, that we didn't know. We had put out a six-song EP first, and when we went to go put out the album as a whole, we didn't know that it had to be twice as long as the EP in order for customers who had already bought the EP to be able to do the complete the album purchase. Uh-huh. And uh, so kind of as a fluke thing, we had to do one more song, and I knew immediately when that came uh-huh. up what song I wanted to squeeze in there and um, it's been my favorite the whole time and and you, there's some sort of hesitancy sometimes to put uh, two ballads out off your first record but um, the, the response we've been getting from Mercy at the live show has been so good we just, we knew we had to go with it so I'm really, really excited So if you're gonna break my heart Just break it And if you're gonna take your shot Then take it Take it You ever love me? Have mercy.
0: And the
1: album was produced by Dan Huff, whose CV, I mean, it's just incredible, both as a producer and a guitarist. Tell me, what was it like working with him, and how did he help shape your sound?
2: He has been one of the most influential things with this project. When we first started looking for a producer for the first record, uh, I was nervous to work with him because. He's Ann Huff. <laughs> what? What? In my head, it was what would it be about me that would get him excited? I want. I wanted somebody young who hadn't really done anything who was hungry to make their name. Um, but then I met him, and I played a couple songs acoustic for him. And his vision for the the record right off the bat was so perfect. He said, "I want to make uh, a country music version of John Mayer's Continuum album." Wow. I'm a huge John Mayer fan, and and when he said that you know, it just was clear to me that, that he got it, that he understood who I was and what it was that I was trying to do with my music. And so, um, from the very beginning, he was right on with the brand and the sound. And, um, but I think that, you know, the, the coolest thing about Dan has been, um, figuring out that working with him, what is most important to him is making sure that I'm happy. And, you know, he has every, if anybody has the right to brush the artist aside and do it their way, it would be Dan Huff. But from the first step and the whole way, it was always checking with me to make sure I was happy and, that just shows um, so much humility, I think, from somebody with that much with that many accomplishments and, and, and it's been that way from the very beginning and, and he's become a great friend and we're we're about halfway through the second record together right now and just having a having a blast just like the first time.
1: I mean to the casual observer, you seem like an overnight success, but I know the truth is very far from it. You're originally from Orange County in California and I know you grew up with hopes of becoming a professional baseball player, but it was a combination of an injury and Gavin DeGraw's Chariot album, which turns you on to songwriting.
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, just like you know, most kids, you grow up and there's you know organized sports, and um, I very quickly figured out of the three that I was playing, that baseball was the one that I was best at, and so we focused on that and um, was able to get a college scholarship and had some interest from the pros. And um, I always say, if you want to make God laugh, tell Him your plans, um, because I <laughs> thought I knew exactly what what I was going to do with my life, and then at 22 years old, I had to you know, press reset and figure out what it was. And uh, I had always played guitar and uh, just never thought of music as something that I would do as a career. But yeah, it was early 2000s. I heard Gavin's first record, Chariot, and I, I just fell in love with the songwriting. I think he has such a unique way of saying something that we hear and or say every day, mm-hmm. but in a slightly different way that kind of makes you turn your head or makes you think. It was interesting enough to me that I, uh, I started trying to write my own songs to see if there was, you know... If I could find my own brand of that type of songwriting, I've pretty much followed him all over the United States uh, to, to see shows and, and to learn, you know, kind of learn more about what it is that he does. And um, he he influences uh, my songwriting still. I think he, I think he's one of the best singer songwriters uh, in the business. Oh, yeah.
1: I heard this story that years ago you took your cousins to see him at the Hollywood Bowl and then later that night you were in a diner on Sunset Boulevard and he like a scene out of a movie just came walking down the street.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, I stopped him at about three o'clock in the morning at Mel's Diner on Sunset and uh and I I basically gushed and told him, you know, what a fan I was and then also told him that because of his first record I was about to that later that week go into the studio and make my first EP and um he couldn't have been a nicer guy he he stopped what he was doing and and stood and talked with me you know for 20 minutes about the important things about making your first record and make sure it's the strongest songs make sure you if you don't have a great microphone you rent a good microphone because you want people to hear your voice you know he just just things that would seem obvious but that he wanted to you know he knew it was my first and so he wanted to make sure I I I did everything that I could and you know that's something that he absolutely didn't have to stop and take his time to do uh, but he did. And so, you know, over the years, we've actually become really close friends, uh, like a, a dream to, to you know, go from starting a career because of him and, and my admiration for him. And, and, you know, fast forward to this year, my first headlining tour came through Nashville, and, and Gavin came out and actually jumped up on stage and uh, talked to the crowd for a minute. And it's just, it's been a, a really cool kind of full circle. Uh, a thing with with my friendship with Gavin, and, and and again, like I said, he still he still continues to give me advice. But um, you know, again, just me as a fan of his, um, I feel like I still learn from him.
1: And so you moved to Los Angeles, and you were there for I think about ten years, and you became good friends with Nicole Scherzinger.
2: At the time when I first met Nicole, she was uh, had just uh, broken up with uh, lead singer Three Eleven, and so she was kind of in a you know that stage in life that you go through when a big relationship ends, kind of that like reset, gently ushering yourself back into the public, and uh, and that was when we met. And so she immediately, you know, became a good buddy of mine. She called me her big brother Brett, and uh, and uh, it would turn into just such a cool friendship. And and uh, and so she's she's somebody that I'll, that I'll always love and look up to.
1: As much as you would have been her friend and supported her, it's got to have been quite frustrating when you're watching her career take off and you're kind of still trying to get a break.
2: Yeah, you know, luckily for me, the timing of it was was one that uh, there wasn't a lot of room or reason to be selfish. I had just gotten to L.A. I didn't even have my first EP finished yet. You know, yeah, had, had it been five years from then, and I thought, you know, you know, I have all these things going for me. Why is it happening for my friend and not me? Yeah. Uh, but luckily, the timing of it all just turned into more of a, you know, an opportunity to learn from her as well, and and also, you know, I kind of got a front row seat into that business you know a lot of people don't get to see the inner workings of you know what goes on behind the curtain in the entertainment business and I feel like that actually was really beneficial for me years later when I got my record deal because I kind of had an idea of what to expect and some of the things to look out for and and so I never really looked at it like that because I I, at the time I just saw all the opportunities I was being given because of the you know, the friendship, and I was grateful for it.
1: But then it's funny, because when you moved to Nashville, things started to happen pretty fast for you. What was the moment that made you make the move?
2: Yeah, I I got to the point, you know, like you said, LA, the whole Southern California part of my music career was about 10 years, and I just got to the point where I felt like I had reached a ceiling, Um, and I was making a living, but, you know, I didn't want to play in bars and restaurants for the rest of my life. And so the decision to move to Nashville was actually a songwriting decision. I knew this town was just so, you know, full of the best songwriters and so I knew I just needed to throw myself into it. And so it was a scary decision because, you know, Southern California is a hard place to leave and also going anywhere where you don't know anybody uh, is just a little bit daunting, but you know, I just made myself network. I, t- I made a rule that for the first 3 months when I got here that I would I would be out and in the scene and even if it was just me by myself having dinner um, that I would go out and and I did that. And I immediately noticed the difference between people in the South and people on the West coast. They're, they're much more friendly here. And, uh, you know, somebody sees you a couple of times in a week, they're going to walk up to you and say, Hey, I see out all the time. Who are you? And that's what started happening. And yeah, uh, I started getting the opportunity to, to write songs with people and, and develop friendships. And it happened very differently than L.A. The, the momentum, you know, picked up really quickly. And within about a year, I had a record deal. The Countryline Songwriters Series
0: with Brett Young. More episodes from this series are available on the Countryline app and website. Or just search for the Countryline Songwriters Series wherever you normally get your podcasts.